Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. everybody welcome back to the believe in temple football podcast season two episode five i'm john DeCarlo, the editor of alscoop.com and i'm joined as always by adam DeMichael, the former temple quarterback assistant coach what's going on bud how are you john hey man listeners all is well man i'm still trying to figure out a way to get to a game i missed the homecoming game it's just you know you got two kids you're um you know you got to visit the wife's family in new york that's you know, I mean, they're, we're trying to figure some stuff out there so I can get back out there. But obviously, just following online and following watching the games on TV is isn't it the same, man. But um, I don't know if I get back to EO, I might have to try to get my old office back, and I don't know if they'll be too happy. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing all right, man. The family's well, so I appreciate you asking. So what you're what you're telling our listeners is that you're planning a hostile takeover of <laughs> your old office at yeah, yeah. Which one of my old offices? I've had 47 offices since I was uh <laughs> since coaching them. Um, you know, my first graduate assistant office was like four of us with, and it was probably like 25 square feet. Like if to get out of your chair, like you had to tell the guy behind you, like, Hey, I got to go first. Cause you were just bumping, you were back to back chair to chair. Was it you? And was Coop one of those guys? Yeah. Me, Coop, Sean Bryson, mm-hmm. um, who played obviously in the league for a little while, Colin Clancy, a former player. It was an interesting group, man. Uh, a lot of fun, funny times, but, um, it's, you know, I mean, that's that's a story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> um, as always, I uh, want to remind you all that the Believe in Temple football podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. You can find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball. The NFL, the NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So you can head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. You can use our promo code Believe50, that is B L E A V in all caps, 5050, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is where the game starts. So we got some uh, we got some football to recap here. I, I guess all in all, Temple's two and two after conference play, which is about maybe what we might have right, right. expected. You know, yeah. uh, after last week's twenty eight nothing win over UMass, we'll preview Memphis for you, and we got some uh, some mailbag questions to, to get to as well. So um, yeah, what were your just general takeaways from the game? And saw some some more from EJ Warner. We'll ask about EJ. We'll ask you about uh, Leighton Jordan, uh, Alex Odom getting the team's first uh, takeaway on defense, another offensive line combo, more of a defined role for Quincy Patterson. Uh, David Martin Robinson gets back into the action. Dewan Mathis did indeed, you know, see some snaps at, at wide receiver. wasn't wasn't much doing there, but um, you know, before we get into some of the the like the, the more detailed stuff, what are your just general takeaways from the game? I was, <clears throat> I think, excuse me, everybody listening, the staff, the players, you, our, um, the old, the old people in the lot that played in the sixties, said that everyone's just thankful for a victory. I mean, at the end of the day, I didn't care if we would have won John 10, seven, 10, nine, five, four, whatever the craziest score is. I think when you leave the stadium, 
and the players left the stadium and the staff, you know, there might be some things that need to be, um, you know, adjusted or some things, you know, why is there a slow start? It feels like every Temple team in the history of Temple football since I was there until now has struggled to start fast. And is, I have no idea why that is. I know someone asked me that. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone's thankful for victory. I'm obviously overly impressed with the defense. I know the team they played against offensively is not, you know what I mean, the – the um I guess are not really our Pittsburgh Steelers back here, but maybe the, the maybe the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not really UMass isn't really the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. They have some young talent and you know a couple of good guys on staff, but the defense you know is playing phenomenal football. And I mean that you they just posted a uh, a graphic. You know, the third in nation and you know third down defense, eighteenth yeah. in total yards, scoring defense. They're eighteenth tackles for loss, ninth. You know, sacks. They're fourth in the nation. Red zone defense eighth in the nation, pass yards allowed, fifth in the nation. So, you know, obviously you played some teams that, I mean, I remember people always used to say, oh, Temple has the greatest pass defense ever when we played Navy and, and Army, and they threw the ball four times a game. We were ranked nationally. But that's really not the case. You know, they played some teams that might that, that throw the ball a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the defense. And like I said, they're playing phenomenal football, and that's that's great to see. That brings me back to the – the, the days when, you know, we were really good at Temple, you know, the defense was leading the leading the show. And then you turn to the offense, it's like, okay, what did we do? We hit an explosive play for a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like that's how things are going to have to go. You might not get those 12 play drives. You know what I mean? You might not get those on a consistent basis, but you're going to have to get some explosives. Um, but I thought they did enough. Um, and like I said, they hit that, that explosive. And like you mentioned earlier, John, uh, another combination in the offensive line, was cool to see Quincy, you know what I mean, going to get in there again and, like you mentioned, you know, kind of figure out his role a little bit. Um, <clears throat> love David Martin Robinson coming back. And, obviously, we interviewed Lato and what he do. He went out there and performed again at a high level. Yeah. Um, and that's exciting to see. It took me back to, you know, his high school when he played at, you know, McKeesport. They were running that – the stuff that Navy does, the wing tee, and he was the fullback, and he was running for 150, you know what I mean, yards a game back in the day scoring touchdowns. So, yeah. at the end of the day – I'm happy. You're happy. We're happy. Like I said, there's some some things that need to be adjusted and, and altered, you know, going into this game plan against Memphis, who for some odd reason is 18 point favorites. I can't understand the. I, I'm just shocked. Like, you know, we could talk about, you know, who they played and who they, you know, you know who they played thus far, which isn't besides Mississippi State. I think that, you know, everyone else is, a you know what I mean, a, uh, an opponent that is similar to who we played. So I don't know what the, you know, Vegas is thinking there. I'm excited, man. Uh, yeah. Two and two heading into, you know, conference play and playing in a tough place in Memphis. Well, let's start with 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 Leighton Jordan. You know, we um, and I've got some audio here in a second. We can play just a short clip from Monday's media availability. That interception return for a touchdown. And like you said, I mean, we interviewed him last week and, you know, we asked him like, hey, is there any I think I asked him, is there any part of you that maybe looks at the numbers and says, all right, wow, I'm top five in the country and sacks right now. And he's like, Nope, I could keep building on every week. And I know that, you know, every player might feel like preconditioned to say that, but you've kind of remarked about how much he's matured and how much he really seems to be buying in. And then what does he do? He goes out and follows it up with, with another good performance. And again, you can say, Oh, okay, well they beat UMass. Well, they were, they started slow and they weren't playing well at first and every play in that game, mattered what really impressed me is okay like he's clearly starting to become a pretty good pass rusher and then you know Hassan Reddick has dealt with this people are like can he 
drop into coverage or any right. rush end type of guy? Can he backpedal? Can he get into coverage? So at least on, on one play, you know, they're, they're backup quarterbacks in there. I get that. He backpedals, goes into coverage, pulls down an interception with one end, then flips his hips, turns up upfield and runs it back for a touchdown. I thought it was a really Im- impressive play. I mean, it, this might sound like the simple question, but is that just another sign that he's really starting to put it together and isn't just getting satisfied with like, oh, I have a few sacks here and I'm starting to play better? I mean, I think you realized it because obviously we're on Zoom with Layton, so you could see him <clears throat> when we were talking to him last week. And I mean, I just could just hear it in his voice. Um, just the, just a different type of cat than he was, you know what I mean? Whenever I was at Temple and, you know, and he was young minded and like he mentioned, I mean, he had to just put the trust in the staff and, you know, like I said, they're putting him in positions to, to succeed. Like I was listening to the Carolina Panthers, you know, rule was speaking and he was talking about Brian Burns, how many times he had dropped into coverage against the giants and Brian Burns is naturally one of the best pass rushers in football. And you just mentioned Hassan Reddick's situation and, you know, having to drop in coverage. And it's just one of the things he's going to have to do if he does want to play at the next level. So, you know, you have, you know, DJ Elliott's system and, you know, allows him to go after the quarterback when, you know what I mean? The time calls for, like we saw the previous three weeks. And then last week he sits in coverage and maybe that's something that he went through and, you know, during, during the week, during the game plan and week and Hey, listen, you see this formation, this is the play we're looking for. We're going to drop you here for, for this situation. Maybe bang, he studied the crap out of it. It happened. And those are the things that um kind of just continue to catapult you. Cause like I mentioned last week, John, his confidence has to be at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Probably never before seen at Temple by him, you know, and he's probably not been this confident since he left high school. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier we we had some starting to get some player availability during the week, which is nice. And uh, uh, one of the guys we did get a chance to talk to was Leighton Jordan, and I, and I asked him, you know, about you know just again like just kind of stacking weeks and putting good games together, and you know, following up one good performance with another good performance. And this is what he had to say on Monday. When Adam and I talked to you last week, you said, I can't really think too hard about being top five in the country in sacks. I have to keep stacking weeks. And then you go back out, you make the play that you made last week. Is there something about you when that becomes satisfying about that? Say, okay, this approach is working where I had, I've had a few good weeks in a row. And yeah. I just, doing is going well. Uh-huh, yeah. I just got to keep sticking to the plan. I'm still young, still got way much to prove. Can't let all this extra talk get in my head. So I just got to keep sticking to the plan, keep talking to Coach Elliott, keep building up much better relationship getting closer and closer so everything can go as planned all right so in addition to Leighton Jordan having a good game EJ Warner another another game to look at from him and um thought it was interesting too because it was again what's a very young career for him his first real dose of adversity in the sense that he Threw a couple of early picks and had a rough start they ended up finishing 11 of 22 passing for 173 yards and two touchdowns to go of those two picks and it seemed like that sideline throw to Adonica Sanders that he hit kind of got him going. And then later, I think it was like one of the few times during the day where he had a really clean pocket to throw from. He hit Adonicus again on that beautiful 50 yard touchdown throw. And again, you know, you try like each week to say, okay, you try to be cautious and say, it came against this team, this situation, whatever. But again, I don't care who's in coverage there. There was fairly tight coverage there. That was a great throw. The, the earlier throw he hit to Adonicus right. uh, was a good one. Another week in, what, what are you seeing from, from EJ Warner so far? Yeah, <clears throat> I think if you talk to him, if you talk to the staff, 
you talk to old pops, Kurt, I mean, everyone's going to say the same thing. You have to cut down on the turnovers. Um, you're talking Temple football right now is, and I'm a big, if you guys want to see stats, right? CFBstats.com is the stats that I look up. shows you literally every single thing you can imagine. Mm-hmm. It's something I've been doing since I was a GA, trying to find stat, stats mm-hmm. on the other team, meaningful stats. They show everything, but we're minus eight in turnover margin. Mm-hmm. That does not yeah. equal wins, John. I mean, right. we're literally in the 123rd in the country or something along those lines. Now, don't get me wrong. Bama's minus three. Right. But they're at Alabama, and they score all kind of points, and they got the best dudes in the country. But we're minus eight. We haven't gained a fumble yet. You know what I mean? So we have yeah. to – that number has to flip. You know, it doesn't have to be plus 10. It's not going to get there in the next, you know, eight weeks. But, you know, you're living in this minus eight, eight range. Two and two is going to turn into two and eight very quickly. Yeah, if that thing doesn't start to flip and we don't start to again in these meaningful games here, you know, coming to the conference play, we need to force some turnovers, and then at the same time, we have to protect the football along with allowing EJ to go out there and you know mm-hmm. on the touchdown to to Sanders, which you know he's obviously playing really good football, and that's a great pickup out of the transfer portal from yeah from down there in, in, in Georgia Tech. So you know you see these, it's all in the NFL. NFL does you know what I mean? One guy goes. And he sits down and tries to pull the boundary safety or, you know, he ran like a, we called it like a, a V route. You know what I mean? He takes off an angle, 20 yards, sticks his foot on the ground and kind of takes off to the corner. And you hopefully that safety drives on him. And then you get, you know, Donica is kind of just running straight down the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. You, know, you almost seen Tyreek Hill do that a couple of times last night in the game. And yeah. Tua kind of threw a couple similar, you know, everyone's doing the same thing, you know, they're deep crossers and then they pull mm-hmm. off of it late, you know, have to have defenders, talk and you know what i mean there's some things you know I mean? especially if they're playing one high defense so that was a beautiful throw i saw someone post like i think we saw this before and it was another throw that it might even have been his, his dad did the same exact thing yeah, same yeah. Play action yeah but um again i mean you, you have two interceptions i think that's that's the stuff that's going to come back and, and haunt you and bite you in the butt but if he can continue to um hit the the, the big plays which Again, I'm looking at my stats, John. I know I'm long-winded here, and this will be – I think this will be you know, a good part of, you know, our, our conversation in, in our podcast today. But, like, you're talking our offense right now, right? And I'm looking at the stats now. So, um, in in 10-plus yard plays, obviously people talk about X plays. It's like 14 yards pass, six-yard run or seven-yard mm-hmm. run or whatever. Everyone has a different kind of um, – everyone's like, hey, it could be 10 for a pass or 20 for a pass, 10 for a run, whatever. Mm-hmm. We've had 44 plays of 10 plus yards this year so far. Mm-hmm. That's good for 114th in the country. Now our defense has given up 30, 35 of those, and that's 13th in the country. So we're not giving up plays of 10 yards. You know, what I mean? it's second and 10. We're not giving up a big one. Um, 20 mm-hmm. yard plays, John. We have only had 10, mm-hmm. 20 yard plays or more. That's 125th in the country. Our defense has only given up 11, which is 15th. In 30 yard plays. We had four, that's 116th. We've had two 40-yard plays and one 50-yard play, which was last week. Mm-hmm. So you can see the explosives necessarily aren't there right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and those are game plan things where they – see. and you saw, I mean, we tried to do a trick play a couple weeks back, and you know what I mean? Sometimes it didn't hit. Mm-hmm. But we're going to have to hit those explosive plays. And then if you look at our defense, we're stopping teams from hitting explosive plays. That's a great combination. If we're not doing it, our defense is stopping them, great. You love mm-hmm. to hit the explosives – and get big plays and score quickly. You know what I mean? That's how, like, the SMUs of the world three, four years ago, probably still now, that's how they won games. They were always first in the country or top five in the country in explosive plays. UCF, every time you see UCF do something, they were throwing a 80-yard bomb to one-on-one. So we need to start hitting more explosive plays, and that's a game plan thing. I know they're putting them all in. Those guys are all smart football coaches. 
and situationally, and they might not be there. It might be some pressure, but we need to start hitting those and then continue to not allow teams to hit the big plays against us. And obviously we talked about how good our defense is playing. Let me ask you this. You obviously understand this better than I do because you helped put together a game plan. When you're talking about trying to set up those, those explosive plays, how much of that is hindered by the fact that they really just haven't really, for a variety of reasons, I guess, haven't really been able to, to set up the run this year. And we, we can talk, we'll talk more about the offensive line and the, the combinations they've tried when, when your run game, you know, I think we've seen some flashes from Darvon Hubbard, some from Sadie, Sadie didn't really play much at all last week, but when you can't establish the run, does that make it that much harder to even just try to set up some of those explosive plays? Yeah, yeah, don't have to sell yeah, yeah, absolutely. You make a ton of sense, and that's probably um, the easy the easy answer. And you know what I mean for for a tough question, but you'd love to have the run game set up the 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 play action pass. Now, there's teams where like the pass set up the run. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's there's different teams that do that, but you'd love to be able to be able to um, you know just pound the rock, pound the rock, four or five. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get the second and three, second and four. You get a first down. You pop a play action. Most guys are trying to do these things, like you said. As soon as they cross the fifty, you hear it on. You know, Tony Romo says it every week, and then you know what I mean. You have on Thursday nights. You have um, well Herbie talking about the same thing. Oh, I'm I'm expecting a a trick play or a explosive pass here or some kind of double move. You know, as soon as you cross the fifty, especially after like a turnover. But um, you'd love for the run game to be a little more consistent. Mm-hmm. to open up the pass game, to open up the RPO game, to open up. You just have to keep that defense, you know, that 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 little balance. You know, can we win on the outside? I think we can now. I mean, you've seen Stu- Ian Stewart, you've seen Adonicus, um, you know, Ahmad can still do some things. Obviously, Jose has been consistent for us. I know he's, you know, hasn't done too much here recently, but, you know, we have some weapons on the outside that can keep mm-hmm. these defensive uh, coordinators, um, you know, on their heels now. Can we – you know, rush the football and be successful running it so that they can set up those plays. Yeah. You'd love for that. That's the most ideal situation for sure. Well, one of the things, and again, I don't, I think anybody could see this going back to EJ two games and change in, you know, and I hate keep to keep bringing it up because I know that I'm sure that EJ wants to carve out his own story here, but when you watch him play, at least in terms of like his pocket presence and the fact that he's willing to stay in there and weather pressure, Right. Does look like a kid who grew up with a with a quarterback as his father, like a guy like Kurt Warner as his father, because he does not seem to be rattled by pressure. Like he does it doesn't seem to be like a like a for lack of a better term, like a one read and go offense. Like he's literally sitting in the pocket on several occasions, like scanning the field and going through his progressions. And a lot of times when he's throwing, he's he's getting hit, you know, not long after. Again, you you've been around. You you played the position. You've you've worked with a, several quarterbacks. Do you do you see that from young quarterbacks? Is that rare to see from young quarterbacks? And again, I know he's got a ton of work left ahead of him and a ton right. of football left to play. But is that a rare thing to see a guy that age that's that patient in the pocket? Yeah, I mean, even if you again, I'll go always go back to the guys that I either coached or I was um or my playing days, right? Like when I played, I know we weren't very successful, but as a young guy coming back playing baseball. I remember, and we weren't great. You know, we were playing against some really good teams, you know what I mean, at least at year one. And I would drop back, and, like, I hit my third step, and I'd be running out of the pocket. You know what I mean? It's like the trust wasn't there. It wasn't something I necessarily did in high school. You know, I was two years removed from playing football. Then you get to PJ, who's, you know, played as a true freshman. It's like, you remember his feet? Like, we would have to – his feet were just – 
Yeah. I mean, if you see my hands, guys listening, yeah, he was never truly comfortable back there, and he's a different kind of athlete than EJ. Don't get me wrong, um, but I think if you see EJ, I think nowadays with um, the personal trainers having your father around, just spending time on the you know on the grind and continue to put in the work, and I'm sure he watched a ton of film and kind of understands like, hey, listen, okay, this kid didn't do this, I have to do this to be able to play. Like you know, Dewan wasn't comfortable back there. Yeah, And, you know what I mean, he wasn't, like, standing there and taking, you know, shot after shot, still trying to, you know, deliver strikes. And that's not a shot at Dewan because, you know, obviously he did what he had to do last year. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out for him yet this year. But, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I think EJ, it's, it's, it's very rare. I think that um, it's something that he can continue to work on. And it's just going to – like I said, John, he's thrown the ball 73 times. Um, you know what I mean? That's, that's, that's nothing, you know what I mean, compared to – you know, I mean, some of these other guys and, you know, what they're doing or what they've already done, guys that are sitting in the pocket all day and very comfortable back there. So it'll be interesting to see that progression as teams that, you know, we start playing some 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 better teams in our conference soon. It, well, look at this offensive line, too. And you know Chris Weezyham very well. And you know a couple of these players that we're talking about pretty well. Last week was another combination. Again, Stan has been pretty tight-lipped about injuries and, and other things. And I don't know, uh, you know, he, he – Initially, after the game on Saturday, said that so Adam Klein comes back, he plays center, and Stan said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, "Well, we wanted some better communication at that position. We did not see Rich Rodriguez. I don't know if he'll be back this week because on Monday, Stan said we had some guys sick that we're expecting to have back. I don't know if he's specifically referring to Rodriguez there who had been playing at center, but again, you had Isaac Moore at left tackle, Bryce Thoman at left guard." Adam at center, Wisdom Quarshi at right guard again. And then James Family at right tackle, who again seems to be kind of holding his own at right tackle, but uh, kind of a rough, rough game for Bryce Thoman. Even on the first touchdown pass to Ian Stewart, he gave up a pressure there. Um, the, the Depending on how much stock you put into it, the pro football focus people were not very kind to Bryce. I think he had a really bad rating coming out of the game, but um, – what do you think? What do you think Weeze is going through right now? Because that is, I mean, you could obviously say that every position on the field is a developmental position, but I feel right. like, you know, those offensive line positions really, really are. And yep. you know, you can some you can look back and rewatch the game and look at some plays and be like, wow, that's kind of a cool thing to see. You know, EJ had a clean pocket there, everybody did their job. And then you can see some plays where you're like, wow, that just gave up a pressure quick and you can see how the changes, the dynamic of the play. And it's, you know, I mean, unless he's sitting on somebody who's really developing quickly and I don't know if Jermaine Donaldson's been sick or if he's been banged up or he just isn't practicing well, but they've tried a few different combinations there. You know, right. what, what do you think Weez is going through right now? Just trying to get that group together and, and just better. Well, I, I'll tell you this um, being around Weez for however many years we coached together, we've had it worse. Mm-hmm. And, and again, I'm not, taking any shots at this guy now i'm saying these guys are playing their butts off and competing you know as best they can and there's a ton of guys playing but you know we've had worse setups and you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. guys just trying to figure it out young guys playing and some veterans that maybe you know what i mean we're banged up so we've we've had it worse when it comes to trying to figure out who's going to play up front Mm -hmm. it's almost like hey you know we got our three guys and then the other two guys whoever's the best two during the week that's who's going to play and whether or not like you mentioned rich fraud and uh, Jermaine, or was it, were they sick or did Bryce and, you know what I mean? James beat them out. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hey, listen, these are our three that we're going to use the, the next best two the entire week. Who's, 
doing the best um, in the film room, who's doing the best on the field during practice. That's who we're going to go with. And then, you know what I mean? When the game comes, do they have their rotations, you know, third series, Hey, you're going to go in, you're coming out. We're going to move Klein from center to tackle. Like that's, that's stuff that's, you know, game plan wise, you kind of figure out, but I think, at the end of the day, Weez is going to play, like I mentioned, probably three or four times, the best players, the guys that they think are going to win the game with. And, um, you know what I mean? I, I know he's pushing them, and the guys that he has in there know what they're doing. Can they can they hold up physically, like you mentioned before as well? Yeah. So let's, let's look at this Memphis team that Temple's playing Saturday. So conference play starts this weekend. Uh, the one interesting thing is that no, no team has won back-to-back games in this series. So if history is any indication of them – uh, then Temple's not going to win this weekend, but we'll, we'll see. Um, I think you said what the line's down to 18 and a half, right? 18, something. Along those I lines. still yeah. think, again, I'm the furthest thing from a betting expert, but I, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty big line. I mean, like Memphis is three and one, but they've got some flaws. This is kind of a weird Memphis team. Uh, we were talking about it on our Al Scoop podcast yesterday. Kyle Gauss was saying, you know, they're a solid team, but there's no, there's no Kenny Gainwell. There's no Calvin Austin. Right. This team, they're three and one. Like you mentioned, Adam, they, they lost 49, 23 to Mississippi state to open the season. They've, they've had three wins since then. They beat Navy 37, 13. They beat Arkansas state 44 to 32. Who's having a down year right now too. Arkansas yeah. State. That is, yeah. they're, not, they're not like the, the bulls, the, you know what I mean? The guys that go to the bowl game and conference championships. So Wal- Walter's there, right? Walter Stewart's there. He, no, Walt's at Cincinnati. Oh, he was we'll be we'll be playing them here shortly. So why did I think there. Arkansas State for him? Was he there? He was. Before? Yeah, and then yeah, then the Cincinnati okay. guy went to the That's NFL, right. I think, and then That's right. hard there. Okay. So. Uh and then so they beat North Texas last week, 44-34 game. Statistically, their defense isn't going to blow you away, but they had three takeaways last week. They had two interceptions return uh for touchdowns. Jalen Allen had one, Zay Collins had one. And these are guys, a defensive lineman and a linebacker that had these, these pick sixes. Greg Rubin had a tip pass that led to Allen's touchdown, but um, they had previously been a, a bad third down defensive team, but they improved last week. Uh, they held UNT to three of 15 on third downs, but I don't know. They still allowed 371 passing yards. They're also the worst red zone defensive team in the league so far. Um, Seth Hannigan's there again at quarterback. He had a really good game against Temple last year. That was the last good football game temple played last year before they never um before they never won again um he was but even last week he was kind of so so 19 of 29 for 141 yards two touchdowns an interception um another thing to keep an eye on they might be without their left tackle and their left guard this week austin myers and jonah gamble both left last week's game ryan silver yeah ryan silverfield said they're they're day-to-day um Earlier in the week, I'd done the, the Tiger Sports Report podcast. Those are the guys that, that cover uh, Memphis and the Rivals Network. And Brian uh, Moss-Namowitz said that uh, the Gamble's injury looked pretty serious. And he said that, you know, Ryan Silverfield tends to say that everybody's day-to-day. But, you know, uh, obviously wish those guys well. But if you're without your starting left side of your line, maybe that opens up some opportunities for, for someone like Leighton Jordan. But I don't know. This is kind of, uh, you know, I, I understand why Memphis is favored. They've got some more experience on their side. They're, you know, they've had their head coach for longer. Uh, obviously, they're, they're, they have a new offensive coordinator, but I, this still seems kind of like a flawed team to me. I don't know that this is definitely one you put in the books and say, 
there's no shot of Temple winning this game. Yeah, I mean, there's right. some opportunities here. I don't, I, I, I can't fathom. Like I, uh, you know, do a little pickums with my brothers and a couple of our friends throughout mm-hmm. the week, and I'm just looking. I'm like, how is that? I just keep coming back to this line. And but you know, one thing I did really notice though, if you look at us, we're what minus eight in the turnover margin. They're plus yeah. seven. Yeah. So I mean, that's a huge difference. Obviously, that could lead. I'm talking like straight to victories. If you really look at it, I mean, if you look yeah. at the top teams in the country that are take, you know, that are plus in the turnover margin, they're all winning teams. They're all teams that have won. Or at the end of the season, 95 percent of those guys are winning games. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it'll be interesting. I don't think, um, like you mentioned, there's not a guy that I'm necessarily afraid of. Um, you know what I mean, like there's always that guy. Whenever you're watching the other team, I'm like, oh man, if they throw the ball up, to, you know, SMU had 47 receivers. Every time I'm like, oh, is it him? They yeah. had three of them. So it's like every time the ball went up, I was like, oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. You know what I mean? And then they, you look at the same thing, UCF. I'm like, oh man, the, the Nixon guy, Trey Nixon, who's plays for the Patriot now. I remember he used yeah. to just run faster than any human I've ever seen. I'm like, yeah. oh God, no. But then you don't, they don't have somebody like that that I'm yeah. afraid of. And I think that's one, good for us as fans. And two, when you're a coach, it's like, hey, listen, they have, you know, there's some players here, but they're like, who are you afraid of? Who's the game changer that they have? And it's like, they don't have them. Now, they're a solid football team, but they don't have a game changer. Now, I'm not saying that we do, but defensively, you know, we're playing an extremely high level. And that's, you know, in totality, that combination of us defensively, that's that's our game changer. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about Alex Odom. I mean, you were, you were on the staff when he was around and just was starting to play. I know you didn't coach his position specifically, but he, at least in my humble opinion, he's starting to look like a guy who is now – going beyond like a safety who's just making tackles to a safety who's just actually starting to anticipate more yep. come down more and, and, and make plays. What, what have you, what have you seen from him? I mean, obviously again, you're not coaching them anymore, but you were around when he first came in, what kind of progression have you seen from him? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I recruited Alex with, um, with Fran that year mm-hmm. and I got to know his family really well. And I mean, we you know we got to watch him play some basketball and he's a, he's more freakishly athletic than you know you would believe when you look at him. You know, he's kind of like a little you know meatball, is probably or like a little bowling ballish. Yeah, but he's yeah, more he is. athletic. He's a, stock, he's a stock like stocky guy, right? But you know what he is though? He's fearless, and you know he would throw his face in there. You know, as a young pup, and you know didn't really care that we had some veterans in front of him. He didn't really care that uh you know what I mean. It didn't really nothing really phased the kid. You know what I mean? Like he might have got beat on some plays. I remember he might have got beat at Cincinnati one game, but things didn't really phase him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing his growth, again, not being there. I, I remember whenever, uh, you know, Rod changed my positions or whatnot, I had spent some time evaluating our own guys. That was a project I took on uh, by myself, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I would sit there and watch the safety group and had to, you know, rank them. You know, I was with Coach Elk, who's now in Idaho. And I was I was impressed with Alex. Like, the, the, you know, the kid goes out there and he might sound like, a you know, a funny guy sometimes and, a little bit of a jokester, but you know he'll put the work in, and he's more athletic than you think. And if you continue, um, if he continues on this path, and you know continues to build confidence, i.e., Leighton Jordan, you know what I mean. That's kind of that that phase that you go through. You know what I mean. The more confidence you have out there, no matter you know who you're going against, because again, if he continues, we remember last year the dude would just fly downhill and just take the wrong angle and just miss yeah. the guy just by a little bit. You know what I mean. So maybe the angles they change the angles or change the tackling technique or he watched a little more tape or whatever the case may be, but it's just good to see him being successful. And hopefully we continue to carry that over into this uh, next weekend. Uh, prediction time here. What do you think? This is a tough one. Um, uh, I, I want to say that 
24, like 23 Temple. Every game it seems like um, we played. I know they got that live tiger down there still probably. He's pretty cool when you go down there. He's in a little uh, little cage or whatnot, but you see this live tiger. But I'm, I'm going to take another win. I, I, I probably, if you ever ask me this, no matter who we play, if we play Cincinnati, I'm probably going to pick Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to pick Temple 24-23. Yeah, and I think we're going to score on special teams this week. On a return, a return. I'm putting a return, not a pump block, not a field goal block. I'm talking a return. They do need to get something going in the, in the return game, whether it's with Ahmad Anderson or or Malik Cooper. Um, it's, again, it's a small sample size, but Rory Bell has only tried two field goals this year. Has missed, right. missed both of them. Um, but that's, that's I, I, I've been saying we should get rid of the kicking. No one agrees. Everyone's probably be mad at me. But I'm like, just get rid of field goal kickers, man. Ooh. Like, just punt. There's nothing. Don't even kick the ball off. You know, I mean, any kicker can go play soccer. That's my opinion. For all the kickers that are listening. Looking to ruin the lives of thousands of ah, hopeful man, kickers like, in the I'm world. Just, they could play soccer. But you know what? They, you know what I mean? They just put so much – like, physically, they don't do as much, obviously. But yeah. they're still part of the team. And I, I won some games on the foot of a kicker. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're still great dudes. And um, I just always just bust chops and say, man, we should just get rid of the field. Goals. Like, we could punt. Who's your favorite, you know I mean? your favorite all-time temple kicker that you've been around? Oh man, my kicker was Jake Brownell. I mean, we hit the game winner okay. versus Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, one year he was he was a beast. I don't know if I have a favorite. We're number forty-seven. Forty-seven. Oh yeah, I remember he yeah. kicked the game winner. And it was like the greatest day ever. But yeah. uh, I don't know if I have a favorite kicker. I mean, I have a favorite holder. Tom Bradley's the Tom Bradway. Tom Bradley. Tom Bradway's the best holder after me. Yeah, me and him battled for a long time to see who the best Temple holder of all time was. But um. I hopefully, like I said, Rory comes along this week, gets some opportunities and, you know, cashes in. And like I said, maybe it'll be a 23, 21 game. And Rory comes in, has to get the game winner and Temple goes home with a, with a, with a, with a dub. That'd be big. I, I'm feeling like a 34, 24 Memphis win, but again, I've, that sounds pretty, uh, that sounds pretty good too. Definitely <laughs> been known to be wrong. I think I've been good on predictions this year, obviously not on, on, on the scores, but yeah. Uh, yeah. They're just, they're weird. They're a weird Memphis is they're kind of a weird team to figure again. Like Seth Hannigan's been, he's pretty dependable. Stan was calling him the real deal this week. And I don't know if he was trying to be overly praiseworthy of him or just disrespectful, but um, we'll have to keep an eye on that left side of the offensive line there. I mean, if the defense can continue to force a couple of turnovers and like Adam's saying, if something happens uh, on special teams, could be an interesting game. So we'll see. Uh, we have four mailbag questions to get to here to close things out. These are coming from Twitter. Uh, first one comes from uh, John Cole, who's uh, out covering politics now. He's a former Temple student. Uh, used to work with me uh, when he was at WHIP at the student radio station. So thanks for the question, John. This comes in from Twitter. His question, heading into conference play, how many wins should the Owls have against conference opponents? So mm. asking us to predict – well, let's see. So, so we're talking Memphis, which is I give a 50-50 shot. Okay, so I'm yeah. UCF playing at their place after a bye, which is beneficial to us. Uh, that's going to be a tough one. That was probably the the toughest place for, for me to play at as a staff member. Yeah. So that's going to be a tough one. Tulsa, I think, is very winnable, John. Mm-hmm. Navy, I don't know how these guys defend the triple option. And, and I know Navy's actually been throwing the ball a little more. I watched them a couple weeks mm-hmm. back. Um, but I think that's winnable. USF, you know, they have the transfer from um, Baylor, but mm-hmm. they're not playing great football right now. That's a winnable yeah. game. Uh, Houston's a very good team. Cincinnati's a good team. Uh, and they're ranked. They're going to – that'll be tough to beat. 
I think we have a chance against ECU. So, you know, you're talking Tulsa, Navy, USF, ECU, and and Memphis, to me, are, you know, five winnable games. The other ones are going to be tough. Houston, Cincy, and UCF, in my opinion, will be difficult games. But, I mean, that's the best thing about football, John, is like you see it in the NFL every day. I know those are the greatest dudes in the world. But you're talking like, you know, who just beat, you know, Mahomes and them guys. Or not Mahomes. Some, you know, someone just beat somebody. But every game is like – one drive, you know what I mean, determines the winner in the NFL. Right. And I know the college is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? There's different players. Recruiting is different. But if you can just stick around a little bit in those games and one or two balls, you know, bounce your way, you have a chance. Yeah. And someone on our Outscoop podcast, one of our mailbag questions was squint hard at the schedule and try to scratch out four more wins to to make Temple Bowl eligible. And I said, well, okay, why not? I don't know that I'm seeing Memphis this week. Although, again, I don't think it's an unwinnable game. UCF will be tough, like you said. Why not Tulsa home on a Friday night? Navy's winnable. Uh, like you said, they are starting to throw the ball a little bit more. We'll see. Uh, why not Tulsa, Navy, USF, and and ECU? Houston will be really tough. Um, Cincinnati will be tough. I mean, it is. I think it's an interesting year for the American. I don't know that. I mean, you can say that, okay, Cincinnati and Houston look pretty good. UCF looks pretty good. But I don't know that there's clearly, clearly, clearly like a, a truly elite, like this is the team to beat in the, in the league this year. Again, I'm not saying by any means the Temple's there, but sure, maybe they could scratch out four more four more wins there, John. Um, next question comes from uh, Temple Dave, uh, DM Kaiser 76 on, on Twitter. He's also an Scoop uh, subscriber, Dave Kaiser. Thanks for the question, Dave. Uh, his question is, how soon do you think Temple will be competitive for an American Athletic Conference championship? I think, well, I can't say the good thing, you know, because you like beating beating the best teams in the conference, but you're, you know, you're having <clears throat> those teams leave the conference, right? And then you have the guys, the newcomers coming in, UAB, FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, UTSA, like, that's the newcomers coming in. So I mean, and there's some top. sneaky good programs in that group. They are. I, they are. You I, know, I completely I understand. Texas. Completely mm-hmm. understand that there are losses there with you know with with you know with Houston and and Cincy, no question. But some good some good programs coming in. Yeah. So then it's like okay, you have good programs coming in, but now you tell look at us. Just look at us in totality. Do we have our quarterback? You hope so. You hope that this is a guy that, unless you out recruit him next year with a stud or someone. Well, like I have... said, you can get a transfer guy. You have whatever the case may be. I think that's always – I think every, we'll look at the transfer portal for a quarterback every single year, in my opinion. We got to get – we got to get, uh, get your buddy Kenny Pickett on, on the pod at some point. I know. Uh, he's not busy starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, he, might, they, he, might be, he might be after this week. They're, uh, they're struggling mightily. Um, they have uh, – they have well, they have a verbal commitment from Tyler Douglas from Motion yeah. Township. I know Kenny right. goes pretty well. And so yeah, fans are already saying, like, well – would he decommit if he looks at what EJ is doing? I'm like, I have not talked to Tyler, but people don't understand that you, again, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. You have to build depth at that position. Anything right. happen. You don't just say, oh, we have our one quarterback and we're done. So, yeah, I mean, I think at that position, it's like, like, like Tyler's not going to say, I'm not going to go to Temple if he doesn't have something else that he's truly interested in. And, yeah. you know, they don't, the other team doesn't have their quarterback. Um, yeah. So, do we have our QB, John? Okay. How do we recruit? How's the staff recruit? You mentioned they have a quarterback. There's some guys. There's some some guys that are going to be projects. You know, some athletes. Um, and I think it's fair game now. It's like, okay, who's the team? It's the SMU, and they're already having talks of possibly going somewhere else, from what I've read too. So, and to me, SMU is the cream of the crop. 
so to speak, you know, in quotes, in quotes, mm -hmm. can, can you beat them on a yearly basis to, to win the championship? And everybody else to me is fair game. Yeah. You know, ECU has been up and down. We've been up and down. USSF has been up and down. Memphis has been hot, has, you know, had a, they usually, they've been pretty cons consistent, I should say. So it'll be interesting to see how, how soon it could be. And, um, you know, with those teams leaving and getting some new guys in here, we'll see how, like I said, traveling to those places and, you know, facing new competition is. I mean, you thinking maybe as soon as next season, two seasons? Two seasons I would think two, I would think two from now. Like next yeah. year, are you, if we don't make it to a bowl game, again, this is looking way farther ahead. So again, I'm not, don't quote me on this in two years, John, we're in year freaking four of this. Um, but hmm. like in two years from now, it's like, okay, we, next year we get to a bowl game, you know I mean? We're we win seven. And then the year after that, we're, you know, 10 wins, boom, we're in the conference championship. Yeah. You know, our quarterbacks, uh, red shirt, sophomore, or a true junior, excuse me. And we're rocking and rolling, you know, he gets us a couple kids and we're recruiting at a high level and, you know, Stan got the boys rolling and the defense is moving. So, I mean, anything can happen. It could be the totally opposite, you know what I mean? But that'll hopefully be, you know what I mean, two years from now, looking at it from, you know, this this point of view. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be the goal. Two more questions here from Twitter. The next uh, Twitter handle is at TempleFanAl. The question is, is there one team in the American that Temple would look forward to playing the most when Adam was on the staff at Temple? I think if you might, it might sound like I'm crazy, but – after the first two years, which we obviously struggled with Cincinnati, we mm -hmm. would just beat the brakes off of Cincinnati for like four mm -hmm. years straight. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter if they were they were ranked up our place one time. We went to their place in the freezing cold. You know, I had a young um, what's the quarterback over that they just left? Um, Desmond Ritter, Ritter in the, with the Falcons now. Mm -hmm. They had a young Desmond Ritter. They had a kid from Notre Dame transferred before him. Mm -hmm. For some reason, man, we went in there and nothing mattered. It didn't matter. You know, Matakavich made a nice pick, but, you know, I mean, they had those guys and we had the Matakaviches and yeah. Hassan Reddick, Tavon Young champs. Our defense kept us in. And then, you know, PJ was just a, you know, a dominating factor on offense. And, you know, we did some good things with, you know, Robbie and Ben telling those boys. So for some reason, four years straight, I think it was after the first two years of Matrazine, even when Jeff took over, but we would just take it to Cincinnati. Yeah. It didn't matter. Like I said, who was coaching Luke Fickle was, you know, hot name. It didn't matter. We would just take it to him. That was a team that I always look forward to playing. Yeah, and even you guys got him in the 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 first year there were that you were there with Rod, right? With with uh, yeah, Sean Bradley picking him off late. Them off too, yeah. yeah. Um, final question to close things out uh, from my buddy Varun Kumar, who's written for us sometimes for Al Scoop. He uh, is a, a little backstory on Varun. He is a Pitt graduate, but just a huge, huge, huge Temple basketball fan. Grew up out here, uh, but he went to Pitt and he's living out in Pittsburgh now. So, oh, nice. um, so is he going to go to the Pitt football game tomorrow? He, no, I'm going to guess. I know he follows me on Twitter. I, I'm 50% chance I'm going to go tomorrow. I talked to him. He said, the guys on the staff, so. this question is for you, for Adam, who's the best player you ever saw? And do you, Adam, do you say Whippeal or do people just say W-P-I-A-L? Oh, no. Everybody it's just say Whippeal? It's just yeah. Whippeal? Okay. So who's it's the best too long, player? W-P-I-A-L. I know. Yeah, I figured. Uh, who's the best player you ever saw in Whippeal? Oh, I think he'll be happy, Varun. Um, I'm going to name five. This is just, but obviously Terrell Pryor was one of them. Right. He's just a freak of nature. Mm -hmm. Um. All-American friend of mine, Doran Dickerson at Pitt. Yeah, was, was really a, good. West Allegheny, right? West Allegheny High School. Was And, you know, he obviously went to Pitt, and he's works for Pitt and does a radio show, and then, you know, he does the play-by-play -play for Pitt football. He's a good friend of mine. A.Q. Shipley was just a, just a man beast. Yeah. Um, you guys are tight, too, right? Yeah, we, yeah, we and him were going to be a roommate at uh, 
at Penn State. Penn State together, and we went on our official visit, and we played AAU basketball together, and played against each other our whole lives. And mm. um, he's just doing a new podcast, uh, McAfee. So him and Drew Stan are doing a podcast every week now, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but Tyler Boyd was we used to play them when I was you know helping out at Snow Rocks with my guys at my high school. They he played at Clariton, mm-hmm. and he's just a freak of nature. Like, I mean, they beat us in the championship maybe like two or three years in a row. And we had some good athletes. Mm-hmm. He was just a different breed. And just obviously he's still playing in the league now and making plays. But the best that I've ever played with or against – and I'm – don't get me wrong. Neil Walker was a different one too. There's, I could just go on and on. But probably Ryan the Richmond, the, the – where? wait, who yeah, is – Pride of Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, did Neil Walker just retire or am I making that up? No, he did. I think it might have been last year. He's been okay. doing some pirates. He's been doing some pirate stuff. And yeah. He owns a baseball facility that we rent out. Mm-hmm. to train some kids um i can go on and on i'm missing some guys but probably darrell Revis is probably number one yeah i mean he actually i think he played baseball he tried to play baseball a little bit but I, he, we played aau basketball together and then just him on the football field was just a different dude and then we competed you know we he beat me my junior year we beat him my senior year in basketball but he was just a different guy quiet though like a weird quiet competitor you know and didn't necessarily talk any trash but he would just go about his business and, you know, he was a real guy and obviously going to be a Hall of Famer here. So I would probably say the role is probably number one for me. Yeah, that's a good question for Varun. That's why people ever wonder if things are really that loaded in Western Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area for football. Adam basically just gave you a, a small slice of it. Yeah, and- I could keep going now if you guys yeah. want to stay here for another hour because obviously Western PA football is the best. Yeah, uh, it's hard to argue, man. I mean, like those yeah. are those are and those are guys that you have like direct knowledge of and either played against or, or saw. I mean, that's that's just a uh, a small sample size of it. Again, there's some good football here in Philly and South Jersey. And yeah, no, there are, man. Plot, but those are some those are those are some names. So uh, that's a good question from Vroom. But uh, good stuff, buddy. Uh, good episode. Uh, we will be back with you guys next week to wrap up conversation about uh, the Temple Memphis game. Then they'll be heading into a bye and. Adam knows really well that the coaches aren't necessarily on a buy. They'll do what? Hit the road right after that, right? To yeah, they'll probably be on the road maybe right after this game. Or coach might give them a day or two to come back, watch the tape, and then get out. But you know what? If they come home with the win, they might get another day off to spend with their families. Yeah. yeah. So it's always good to leave with a win. Also, really quick, um, I saw a bunch of posts on it, but obviously a friend of mine, and you know, I haven't spoke to him in a while, but a, you know, a former you know, boss of mine, Jeff Collins, got, got yeah, let go. I was going to ask you about and, that. Yeah. You know, he he always treated me well. Um, obviously, it didn't work out for me whenever he went to Georgia Tech. But, I mean, when he was at Temple, in my opinion, working for him, you know, he gave it his all. You know, he recruited at a high level, you know, did a bunch of different things. Sometimes it was a little too much. And you guys as fans probably noticed it. But, you know, he brought it every single day. And he coached. He was as intense as anyone I've ever seen coaching. And, you know what I mean, he 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 did it at a high level for us. and. To see him, obviously, anybody that you know or work for, you know, lose their job is is a tough thing. So I'm sure he'll he'll land back on his feet, and um, you know, I wish him and his family the best. So again, I mean, some people don't like him, some people don't know him, and still don't like him. Some people like him, some people hate him, and they know him. So <laughs> it's one of those things where, like I said, he always treated me well and my family and took care of us. So you know, I mean, it's just one of those things in this business. You know, you have to you know, perform and it's all about results. Yeah. I mean, I, Jeff always treated me fairly and I mean, he did well enough in two seasons at Temple to parlay that into another job. So 
I think that's always the challenge, you know, like people will say, is anybody going to come here and stay for 10 or 15 years? The chances of that are, are talk to on, but. talk to the AD and tell them that I'll stay for 10 to 15 years. If he yeah. wants to hire me next. Next week, Arthur Johnson and Adam Michael talking about the future head coaching job. You heard it here first. So. Oh, man. I think I hear my son's waking up from a nap, John. There you uh, go. Good, good. Good talk to you guys later. Out. So, all right, everybody. Good. Uh, thanks for hanging around for another episode. And Adam and I will talk to you next week. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube